Good morning and welcome to the Quickie Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and I am so happy that you are here. Today, my guest brings it with the stories. This one is full of stories and lessons. So, my guest, Mr. Rocky Rourke, Design Director of Blue Cyclops Design Company in San Diego, California. Now, Blue Cyclops Design, it's kind of a unique name, so of course I had to ask how he named his company, so you find that out. He talks about getting a job in Savannah, Georgia. It didn't work out, and it led to him being fired from there and getting a job in San Diego, going there, and that one not working out, getting fired from there. Heartbreaking in the moment, but it gave him the kick and push that he needed to go freelance. And within days, it worked out so much better than he could have ever imagined, and he has not looked back. He talks about growing up and how when his family hit struggle, he ended up getting a job at a print shop and worked his way through a print shop, worked super hard um, to help his family get through the recession, which is such a cool thing. He shares a story um, about a challenging project that he worked on and what that was like, how it felt, um, and the stress and the mental health that something that you know can be that tough on you. Is it worth it? Is it worth that stress and mental health? He also talks about a project that he's super proud of, and that was creating some work for Adobe. I'll let him tell the rest of that and what that entails. But man, I am excited to bring this to you because this episode is just packed. So don't go anywhere. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get to it. My guest, Rocky Rourke. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Rocky Rourke, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. How are you? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for asking. Um, are you ready for the quickie? I think I am. <laughs> All right. Well, let's rip off the Band-Aid and briefly tell the listeners about yourself. Well, I am an illustrator and designer based out of sunny San Diego. Uh, I currently have been full-time on my own for three years as of just a couple of days before we're recording this. Uh, I run a small independent studio called Blue Cyclops Design Company, and yeah, I've been doing design in some form or the other ever since I was about 15 years old. Nice. So Blue Cyclops Design Company, give me the story on that. How did you name that? (laughs) Well, it's actually very interesting because um, I didn't actually realize this until years after I started using uh, Blue Cyclops as my avatar. I've had uh, a blue Cyclops as like my avatar logo mark for probably about, I would say, since 2010. Mm-hmm. And uh, it wasn't until probably around 2015 that I made this realization that when I was a kid, I actually had a blue Cyclops imaginary friend. <laughs> and I, I know it's, it's, a, it's, a weird, it's a weird thing to, to, to think about. 
And what's even crazier, and, and I don't know if this was subconscious or, or what, but the name of my of my character that I used to represent my brand, his name is Bob. And it just so happened that my imaginary friend's name was Bob. And so for some reason, like without even me thinking about forgetting all about this, I had kind of put two and two together and created uh, this fun little uh, character. That's funny. Crazy how that just kind of came together like that. Oh, yeah, definitely. So you had mentioned earlier that you'd been doing uh, Blue Cyclops for three years now. Yep. And how many years working out in the traditional design world um, did you have before that? So before that, I when I graduated college, I started working at a studio in Savannah, Georgia called uh, Focus Lab. Okay. I was there for about a year doing branding work. And unfortunately, I was fired. Uh-huh. And I got a job here in San Diego. And I came out here doing UI UX work okay. for two years. And then I was fired. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason you came to San Diego was in search of a job. Were you looking for jobs in San Diego? Or did it just kind of come up? You know, it actually just kind of happened. Uh, I came out to California, to San Diego, for the first time ever a month before I was fired. Uh-huh. And I met some people at a conference. We, like, became friends. We started chatting a little bit on social media. And right before I was fired, I kind of had a little bit of uh, of advance notice. It wasn't like, you know, like, hey, you're going to be fired. It was like, hey, we're 50-50 on keeping you or letting you go. And so I was like, okay, I need to reach out to people and find out about freelance. That's an interesting conversation that they had with you. Yeah, that was a very interesting. And there's there's more behind that, you know, that makes it even more interesting. But I'm not going to go into too much detail. I've talked sure. about that before. But um, I reached out to this one of the people I had met out here. And I told him, I was like, hey, do you know anyone who's looking for, like, freelance branding, illustration, any type of design work? And he told me, he was like, you know, no, nothing comes to mind. But the agency I work for is hiring. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, I've never done UI UX work, so I don't know how much I could help you there. And uh, he was like, you know, just, just try it. And the same day I was, I was actually fired, I had a call with that agency just like three hours after. Crazy. Yeah. It, it was just like, I was like, okay, all right, all right, clear my face, you know, calm, <laughs> calm, collective and everything. And um, a couple weeks later, they flew me out to San Diego. And uh, a few weeks after that, I had the job. Wow. So, yeah. So that's your map to San Diego. Um, yeah. I want to go even further back than that. And we, mm-hmm. you had touched on some of your childhood and your friend Bob. Um, yep. But I want to ask you a little bit more about your childhood. And do you feel that you had a creative childhood that led you in this career path? So first, let me say, I never knew anything about design until high school, Mm -hmm. Um, but I was a very creative kid. I spent a lot of time doodling, drawing. Uh, For many years, I would do like arts and crafts on my own and everything. And uh, I even, I remember still, without my mom knowing, I painted a giant mural on my wall in my bedroom. (laughs) And she didn't find out until she came home and, and saw and she was like, what did you do? Um, but I was always like an avid doodler and drawer. In fact, I would get in trouble in school for it because instead of, uh, paying attention in class or taking notes, I would always be drawing and everything. And I still remember 
te- there were some teachers that were horrible, and they would take away all drawing utensils that I had, or any type of writing utensils, and they wouldn't let me, you know, I couldn't take notes, and finally, like, my mom had a complaint to the school, like, hey, he can't even take notes, like, what the heck's going on? And, um, you know, it, it was like, for a good long time, that's what I was doing, and it wasn't until high school where... I unknowingly signed up for a design class. Uh, I thought it was computer game design. Uh, it was uh, a graphic communications class. Uh-huh. And show up first day of the open house and basically see all these printers and screen printing equipment, a giant cutting machine, Macs everywhere. And I was like, what is this? This is not what I <laughs> thought I was getting into. And uh, took that for about... Uh, all four years, eight classes in total, and uh, yeah, that was like the the little intro there. That's cool. So you had mentioned that you didn't really start doing anything design until high school. Now, looking back at your childhood, now knowing where you are, is there anything that stands out as, oh yeah, I did, you know, do graphic design, or I did um, notice graphic design when I was younger. I just didn't know what it was. So I did notice some graphic design. Like I remember, I will always remember one specific logo that always stuck out to me. And it was something where growing up, I completely visualized something else. Uh And then when someone pointed out something to me, it completely changed the logo. And that was, I don't know if you've ever heard of this this, uh, grocery store chain, but it was called Food Lion. No. And I remember the logo, it was like, it was a lion. And whenever I would see it, I would see this one part of it. I'd imagine, okay, the lion's got these sunglasses on. It's like a side (laughs) view and everything. And then someone just happened to mention, you know, oh, wow, like I wonder why that lion has his tongue sticking out. And it completely transformed how I saw it. I could never see it again how I originally saw it because now I'm seeing, oh, that's actually his mouth is open with his tongue sticking out. It looked like like one of those uh, uh, British lions you would see on like uh, some sort of like Herald or, or something like that mm-hmm. and completely ruined the logo for me because <laughs> it changed it forever. Um, but other than that, like I was a very entrepreneurial driven uh, kid. Mm-hmm. And so I still remember uh, in middle school, I was always trying to figure out something that I could do to make a little extra uh, money. And one of the things I did was I attempted to make some little like kind of like adventure video games through PowerPoint, which is the craziest thing. (laughs) It was, you, you would like, it was, I never even knew the, uh, you know, make your own adventure series or anything like that. Uh, but I had created something similar to that Mm -hmm. and I created this thing I called rock graphics. My business is called rock graphics and I actually sold probably like $20 worth of these like different types of adventures to a couple of, of my uh, friends. Nice. So that was like the probably the only stuff pre-high school that I, I really delved into. Mm-hmm. So during those sort of younger years and even through high school, is there anything that stands out to you as the most influential design of your life so far? Something you've seen or maybe even something that you were a part of? Hmm. I don't know if there if there's like a specific design or design element or, or something like that that really stood out to me. Mm-hmm. I think in a design experience where I worked in a uh, print shop mm-hmm. uh, while I was in high school, 
Um, that's the only thing I can think of that jumps off the, the page right now to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's because it was right during the recession in 2008 to 2009. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mom had just lost her job. Mm-hmm. And my teacher, I don't know if he if he knew that she had lost her job or not, but he got me a job in a print shop. Um, and I ended up getting paid like seven fifty an hour, which was like $2 more than minimum wage at the time. Wow. And yeah. And I ended up working every, like almost every day, uh, at that job. And sometimes it'd be anywhere from 20 to 40 hours on the, um, during the week while I was in school. And then over the summer I was working sometimes up to 60 hours. Crazy. And yeah, it was, it was really intense, but I learned a whole heck of a lot, even though it wasn't the best job in the world. Mm -hmm. I learned how to move quickly. I learned how to get over my fears of dealing with clients or talking to clients. And it was just like a, an interesting experience that kind of like set me up, uh, ahead of the curve when I went into college. So did you get that job really as to sort of help your family through that recession time? It was it was a little bit like that. Yeah, it was I, I can't remember if I got the job either right before or mm-hmm. right after my mom lost her job. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was uh, I was helping out. I was like giving my mom money and everything. And on top of all that, I was going out and doing lawn care. I had a lawn care business. That mm-hmm. I started going back to like eight years old. And uh, I was going out every weekend when I wasn't working. I was going out cutting grass. Uh, making extra money and basically that uh, whole period is so much of a blur for me because mm-hmm. it was just nothing but work nothing but there was no work. like yeah there was no fun there was no like fun times or, or anything like that hmm. but an influential time nonetheless because of what you learned and then the experience that it brought oh yeah 100 percent. got it Rocky, I want to ask, who are some of the designers or brands that you look up to or closely follow? And what is it about them that you like? So let's see. Let me see if if like one's really come to mind. Because a, a lot of the ones I'll, I'll probably say are either friends or people I, I've chatted with for a long time. Which is I would too. say, yeah. <laughs> I would say the first one that comes to mind is uh, The Future. Um, I, I don't know if you, you probably have heard of them. Um, the future is definitely uh, a big one in that the amount of knowledge that they share. Mm-hmm. One thing about me is that I love knowledge. I think that knowledge, you know, should be easily accessed by everybody. That people shouldn't hoard it, mm-hmm. and that's why I'm always sharing. You know, if someone reaches out to me like, you know, hey, how can you do this? How can you do that? I'll try and answer as best as I can with as much information as I can. Mm-hmm. And I really like what they do and the fact that they do that. That they're always sharing new content, new videos, new courses, and, and everything. And they're really trying to help the design community as a whole in things beyond just like creating logos or creating illustrations or you know lettering and everything. They're trying to help them with business and how you know they can better do business instead of some of the really bad practices that you see a lot of other people doing, especially when they're first starting off. Definitely. The future yeah. no i haven't seen them so i'm definitely going to check them out yeah it's uh f-u-t-u-r mm-hmm. no e at the end um and then i think another another good one is a, a friend of mine his name is uh brad woodard of okay. brave the woods uh really awesome guy really humble down to earth 
an amazing illustrator, uh, and I believe he does do branding work as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we've uh, we've done a lot of stuff uh, together over the years. He worked with me on one of my uh, old projects, Slaptastic, and he was even one of the first. He was, I think, actually the first person I interviewed uh, for my own podcast. So um, he's an amazing uh, illustrator. Him and his wife they run uh, Brave the Woods. And he's also a wealth of, of knowledge as well. That's cool. Both great ones. And one of your friends that you get to get some props to. It's awesome. Yeah, definitely. Um, <clears throat> the next couple of questions I have for you, Rocky, take you down part of your career where you might have made some mistakes, learned some mm-hmm. lessons. And I want to pull those stories out for the listener. Um, okay. So what has been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging and how did you get through it? So I think it's actually two points, and I kind of I alluded to those uh, earlier, and that is when I was fired from both of my jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, being fired is one of those I – don't, I don't know if you've ever been fired uh, from a job or not, but being fired is one of those low points where you're like, oh, my God, like I completely failed at this. I messed mm-hmm. up. Like I – you know, I'm a failure and everything like that when in reality, you know, it's, it, you shouldn't feel that way. You shouldn't look at it in a negative light, but look mm-hmm. at it in a positive light. Maybe you weren't the right fit for that job. Maybe there's a better opportunity for you, you know, down the line. Mm-hmm. And I still remember like those moments, like the first time that I was fired from a job, uh, it was really hard because I, I remember sitting there. I was actually fired over a Google Hangout call. I wasn't fired in person. Oh my gosh! And yeah, it was like te- it was really that's like rough. texting for a breakup. Yeah, yeah. And um, it was really rough. And I remember like afterwards, like, you know, you go through all these different ranges, ranges of emotion. And I told myself, okay, I can be sad, I can be upset, I can cry, scream, whatever, for the next half an hour. I let myself have a, a set short period of grieving time. And once that once that half hour was up, I got up, I went, I, you know, made my calls to, you know, told my mom, told, you know, some friends that I had just been fired. And then I decided, okay, I need to now do the next thing. I need to create Mm -hmm. a resume. I need to, you know, start reaching out, looking for client work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, within three hours of that, I had, you know, that job, uh, that online job interview. So, you know, I was able to take a day that would normally be so gloomy and, you know, so horrible. And Mm -hmm. I was able to bring a positive light to it. And the same thing happened when I was fired the second time. I had no idea that I was about to be fired. Mm -hmm. And they called me into a a conference room and they told me, uh, the first thing they even said to me was, today's your last day. And I was just like, what? Like, what's going on? And I was, you know, it was really hard. That point, though, you know, it's a bit different because I had actually planned to leave the company uh, in about two months. I was planning on saving up some money and then going full-time freelance on my own. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was still, I was upset. I was, you know, not going to lie. I shed a few tears in that, you know, in that conference room. No shame in that. Yeah. And uh, by the time I walked out of the building with like my box of stuff and everything, you know, I look, I still remember, and I, I mentioned this earlier this week when I made a post about it. I remember looking up at the sky, looking, you know, seeing the wind blow through the trees, hearing the birds chirping and everything like that. And I remember thinking, 
you know, this is it. This is this is the best start that I could I can get right now mm-hmm. because it pushes me out to do my own thing. Mm-hmm. And within uh, a week's time, I had six or seven job offers and about twenty thousand dollars in signed work. Awesome! So it, so it turned good. out really good. So good. Um, man, that's a great one. You gave so many lessons in that, that um, (laughs) people can take away. Um, now I want to get specific though. And I want you to take us to a story about a design or a project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result. Um, (laughs) what was that like? How did that feel? Um, take us to that story. So, there, there's a good, there's a good example of it. In fact, I, I use it a lot now because it's very recent. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't say who it was with, uh, you know, or anything like that. Um, but it was a project where uh, it was a very huge project. It was my mm-hmm. one of my biggest projects that I had uh, up until that that time. And I remember, you know, I was so happy about it. I was really excited about it. And we had gone through, we'd spent about, you know, a week chatting back and forth, getting everything going. And then all of a sudden the guy disappeared, Uh. He disappeared, didn't, he completely ghosted me, you know, wasn't answering emails. I was sending follow-up ones, no responses from him or anything like that. And I was like, okay, like, and I held out, uh, you know, I canceled, I didn't take on a couple projects. I ended up missing out on like $20,000 worth of work. Uh. And yeah, that, that was one of the rough parts. Uh, but then again, he reached out, you know, about a month or two later and he was like, Hey, so I'm ready. Sorry about that. You know, all these excuses. And I was like, you know, the project is so big, you know, okay. I can kind of like, you know, put away those red flags that jumped up. And unfortunately I put away those red flags when I probably should have really paid attention to them. Mm-hmm. And uh, we ended up dropping the cost and the deliverables on the project a bit. And the project, instead of being like a two to three month project, ending up going on until about five or six months Ugh. of work. And I didn't stick to my guns. I mm. kept making uh, excuses uh, for him. Uh, I kept like, you know, he had one major thing where uh, he found out that we couldn't use all this branding that we had just created and finalized because he didn't do his due diligence with his lawyers on trademarking mm-hmm. and finding out if he could even trademark what we created or the names that we had created. Mm-hmm. And I basically said, I was like, hey, you know, we can either do one quick week of branding or we have to completely redo the uh, redo it and it's going to cost more money. And he chose, let's do the one week when I was like, I should never even offer to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I ended up having to uh, basically fire him as a client. I had to uh, send him an email and like, hey, here, you know, he had ghosted me for another uh, month, month and a half on the project. Mm -hmm. And I just went ahead and completed all the deliverables that were in the contract, Mm -hmm. sent it off to him and had to end it completely right there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he still reaches out to me from time to time saying like, hey, we I I got time now. I'm going to go through. I'm going to put the list of things that you forgot there in the contract. And I'm like, why are you reaching out to me? Like, everything's complete and you've gone all this time. And it's just, it's been a headache. It's my biggest stressor even to this day. Mm. So it's an interesting experience. And it's like, I think the lesson from that is, if there are red flags that pop up in the early parts of like a project or a, a client meeting, 
pay attention to those. Make sure that, that the risk does not outweigh the reward. And sometimes you have to, you know, fire a client early on versus going six months. Yeah. And, if, and you know, even, even, correct me if I'm wrong, but even in those initial meetings and phone calls when those red flags come up, yes, it would be uncomfortable addressing them on the mm-hmm. spot in the phone call. But is that as uncomfortable as a project affecting you mentally for months and months because you're choosing not to address them? Yeah, it, it's very true. It's like I go back and look at that. You, my wife, you know, she she thinks about that time because I was so stressed out that in the time, I would say in a three-month time, I gained 50 pounds. Mm-hmm. And how much stress that I was I was in because of this client, because of this project. Mm-hmm. And it's still to this day, and I, I have friends who they helped me through it. They gave me advice or, you know, I had them proofread some of my emails just to make sure that, hey, you know, I'm not coming off, you know, rude. I'm not coming off, you know, you know, bad or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Just because I, I wanted to try and like salvage the relationship for a while yes but finally at the end it was just like you know it's, it's just not you know worth if, it. yeah and and i honestly believe that if i would have stayed working with this client by the end of the year i probably would have had a heart attack or stroke or both crazy because of how stressed he was making me and not it's like it. yeah it, it really isn't no Whew. okay i got one more and then we're <laughs> gonna turn this bus around to a happy place rocky Okay, sounds good. What is something you're struggling with in your design career right now? Oh God. Uh, so you know, as I as we mentioned at the beginning of this, you know, I, I mentioned Blue Cyclops Design Company. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I tried to do, uh, I actually started at the beginning of the summer trying to do it, was go through a rebranding brand refresh uh, mm-hmm. for myself. So that instead of it being, you know, Rocky Rourke being the main, the main like visual, it was Blue Cyclops Design Company. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I sh- really struggle with because, and I think a lot of designers and creatives can understand this, you know, doing work for yourself or branding yourself is 10 times more difficult because you have to be both the facilitator and the client at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it's a very hard thing to do. And, you know, I would post stuff onto social media and share what I was creating and people would, you know, some people would be so, uh, so like, I'm trying to think of the right word. So fixated on my original branding Mm -hmm. that they would be like, no, that's not you. That's not friendly. That's not Rocky. That's not this. That's not that. And I'm like, well, this is separate from what that, what that brand is. Mm -hmm. And they weren't able to make that connection. Yeah. And so now it's like now I'm at this point where I've actually decided to not create a full-blown brand system for myself like I was originally planning to do mm-hmm. and instead focus on more of creating a new website and a new platform for all of the content that I'm constantly putting out. Cool. Well, I like that direction, but that's definitely a tough part, you know, navigating oh. that as the operator and the guy doing the work <laughs> that can you know, almost completely <laughs> oh, contradictory, right? It really is. And it, it's, you know, I've branded myself since high school, probably 50 times. Mm-hmm. 
And each time, especially, you know, as I get better and better as a designer, I actually find it's harder and harder to brand myself, which mm-hmm. is a weird thing. I, you would think that it would be the opposite, but I've always found that's a lot harder to brand myself. And I guess one of the things that made it very difficult was the fact that I have a, uh, I have a personal brand that is very strong mm-hmm. and people, they can, they see my logo, they know it's me. You know, they see my, you know, my face or they see, hear my voice and they know that it's me. Mm -hmm. And so I've gathered this following to the point where when I try and break away to put more emphasis on my actual business, it kind of falls apart a little bit. Mm -hmm. So it's an interesting thing to, to try and tackle. Got it. Okay. I want to turn it around here for you. Rocky, tell me about a project that you've been a part of that you're the most proud of, the one that makes your heart sing, or maybe the biggest design feather in your cap. Ooh, God, I have to think about that for a second. I would say creating stuff for Adobe has been one of my my biggest, I would say most like fulfilling and exciting partnerships I've ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying, you know, that makes all my other clients, you know, less valuable or or anything like that. I think the reason why that one just like speaks to me is because of the fact that, you know, I started my design career using Adobe software. You know, I remember sitting there in that classroom staring at the, I think it was CS or CS2 illustrator book and going through and learning, you know, how to use the pen tool, how to use shapes uh, fills all those different things, mm-hmm. and then fast forward to uh, a couple of years ago when I first went to Adobe to be on their live stream, and standing outside their building, looking at that giant logo on the side of the building, I was like, "Holy crap! This is full circle." <laughs> you know, I, I'm now I'm now here at Adobe. I'm now talking. I'm inside of Adobe right now, and it was is just a really amazing experience, and so. They last year they came to me and they actually wanted me to create a uh, sticker pack design uh, to give out uh, for Adobe Live at Adobe Max 2018. Cool. Mm-hmm. And I was able to finally like I've done a little bit of work with Adobe throughout the years, small little things here and there, but this was my first big project with them. And I created these uh, six characters. Uh, all of them were based on a mixture of Adobe software and the people who use Adobe software. Mm -hmm. And when it was all said and done, the stickers turned out amazing, and they actually used the illustrations on the Adobe Live booth at Adobe Max. That's cool. So, yeah, they blew up these characters to where they were like, uh, I want to see like four to five feet tall. And I was just like, oh my God, like this is spectacular. I can't believe that I'm looking at this right now. And I had no idea until I actually got there and saw it myself. Mm -hmm. Man, that's such an awesome experience. That's a good one. I love it. See, told you to turn this bus (laughs) around. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Look at you smiling now. Um, What is one design product, tool, website, or community that you just can't live without? Well, I think that now, I think I could actually answer pretty much all of those, basically. Uh, when it comes to a tool that I can't live without right now, it's probably my iPad Pro. Okay. You know, 
because it's something that no matter what style I'm working in, no matter what type of project I'm working on, I'm always using it to sketch out all of my ideas and everything to share with clients and everything. Um, and so it's definitely a, a big piece of that. When it comes to like software, you know, I would say there's actually two things right now. It's uh, the number one is always Adobe Illustrator. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been my favorite piece of software since I first started using Adobe products. And it's been a, a big backbone of pretty much everything I've uh, major projects I've done. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that another one also to include in there is the new Adobe Fresco, which hasn't been released yet. I've, I've been beta testing it for a long time now, mm-hmm. and it's now become a major part of my workflow. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it, it's been a, a major part of it. I can't go into details because of NDAs, but yep, yep. let me just say it's going to be amazing once it's released to everybody. That's cool. And uh, the final thing, I would say, let's see, design community. I would say it centers around a specific event that I go to every year called Creative South. Creative uh, South. Yeah, Creative South in Columbus, Georgia, usually happens within the first or second week of April every year. Uh, this year, I actually spoke at Creative South, which was a, a huge moment for me because this was my seventh time going, I think. Cool. Um, and uh, I've gone to it every single year since I first went, and I never plan on missing a year because it's been – not only has it really helped me grow as a designer, it's also helped me develop a major network. Hmm. Um and I feel like it also really helps to inspire me every year when I go. So that's great. Yeah, and those are all great ones. That iPad Pro comes up so much. It's become a, a rock star when it comes to creativity. I mean, mm-hmm. especially when the new um, the new software updates come out with Apple. Mm-hmm. You know, the iPad Pro is going to become so versatile that it's going to be, you know, you're going to be able to do so much more. Like I, you know, I hate to say it because I, I love the guys behind uh, AstroPad and, and Luna and everything like that. Uh, but, you know, with what Apple's doing, it's going to make, you know, it's going to basically turn our iPads into a completely other screen without having to have any other software or, uh, you know, actual physical devices. That's cool. So I'm really excited about that. Love it. All right, we've reached the part of the show for the ask it forward question. So I've got a question from you from my last guest, and you have an opportunity to ask a question of my next guest. I'm not going to tell you who they are, but you can ask them anything. Okay. So my last guest was Chad Michael. He specializes in, I like the way he worded this, he's the designer of products of indulgence. So he, <laughs> so he primarily does breweries, um, distilleries, high-end spirits, cannabis, that sort of design area. And he's got a very unique style, um, Chad. So he wanted to ask, related to you know some of his high-end spirit designs, use three or four ingredients to make a cocktail. What are the ingredients? What's the garnish? And what do you call this cocktail? You know what's so interesting is I'm like one of the worst people to ask this question. <laughs> Yeah, because I I usually went like it's rare I drink, and when uh-huh. I do drink, I'm a shot person, <laughs> so it's it's very difficult. Um, let's see, I would have to say, oh, this one's a little because di- it's actually what I would describe as actually already a drink. Uh-huh. Um, 
but it would be uh, Amaretto. Okay. Uh, I love Amaretto. Uh, you know, it's a almond liqueur, like mm-hmm. a, a dessert uh, liquor, um, with sour mash and uh, uh, a cherry on top, which Perfect. is basically it's a an Amaretto sour, okay. and that's the only drink I get usually uh, when I have like mixed drinks. It's yep. an Amaretto sour. It was the first drink I ever had, actually. Nice. <laughs> well said. So the first drink I ever ordered at a restaurant when I turned 19 up in Canada here and I can drink mm-hmm. is a mojito, except I had never ordered a mojito. So I read it straight off the menu and I ordered a mojito. <laughs> <laughs> and after the attractive waitress gave me a very strange look, she said, do you mean a mojito? And I went, yeah, obviously. Mojito. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, I'll, I'll tell you this. Like, my wife's uh, Mexican. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I'm learning Spanish right now. Good for you. And so, yeah. And I still have problems with some of the letters. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you're not supposed to pronounce the H, and I end up doing it anyway. And her mm-hmm. and her family or our roommate, they like give me a, a look like, seriously, you forgot it again. Um, so no, I totally understand that feeling altogether. Oh, that's cool, man. So Rocky, what is your ask it forward question, my friend? So to give a little context before, before I ask it, Uh I've been on this journey of like, kind of like clarity in in a lot of different things. Like I, I went through, I completely redid, decluttered and reorganized my entire studio here. Uh Um, then I started doing a lot of stuff like I have uh, so many different journals that I'm writing in, like bullet journals. Uh, I have a journal for finances, for my food and exercise, uh-huh. an actual journal journal and everything like uh-huh. that. And I'm curious uh, how how your next guests would go about staying organized or how they go about you know their day-to-day, um, you know, whether it's at work or freelancing or whatever it is that they that they do, like how they go about organizing it, um, you know, and keeping track of things, or do they keep track mm-hmm. or anything? Like that. So really, it's how do you stay organized? What tools yeah. do you use, kind of thing? Yeah, I, and for me, it's become like it's actually going to be. I, I've already got some ideas for content that I'm going to be creating uh, on this, and it, it's something that. Uh, you know, I was never the biggest organized person. Mm-hmm. Um, when I got, I remember this whole all started when I got back from San Francisco last uh, month, and I had hung out with one of my friends. I stayed at his house, and I just saw, you know, how organized he was, and, and all this. And I was like, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I basically went on this crusade where, you know, I've been going through each room and reorganizing things, cleaning things, decluttering, throwing stuff out selling old books or, or whatever it is. And I found that since I started doing that, I've had so much more clarity, uh, you know, upstairs in my head mm-hmm. and I've been able to get so much more done. And because I'm going through and doing these bullet journalings and stuff like that, that I'm able to reclaim so much more time that would have been wasted or that would have been working, you know, the entire day. Instead, now I start to try and find times to relax, mm-hmm. uh, play games or movies or whatever it is. So I'm just interested to, to hear how other people go about doing that as well. Rocky, that's a great one. I love it. 
You've made Thank it you. to the end of the show, sir. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> thank you no thank you so much for being a guest on the quickie podcast i really appreciate your time and um you know your energy coming on and i loved hearing your stories and and where you're at no problem thanks for having me it's it's always fun to do podcasts like these and doing a podcast. all right thank you so much for listening to today's episode i really appreciate your time rocky also does a podcast and it's called the design break podcast it's great so please go over to itunes check that out also before you dive over there please leave a review and rating for the quickie podcast on itunes i would really appreciate it then go check out the design break listen to that leave a rating and a review for rocky's show gosh thank you so much guys i'll be back tomorrow see you then